0: God is on the throne, the gospel is still true, and that doesn't cease to be even when other things are shaken.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. more information about church society and all the things that we do on our website churchsociety.org you'll also find there the full archive of the podcast hello and welcome to this episode of the church society podcast i'm ros clark i'm the associate director of church society and i'm your host on this mini series of podcasts looking at the church of england if you haven't already listened you'll want to go back and listen to the first episode what is the Church of England? And the second, what is the crisis in the Church of England? In today's episode, we'll be thinking about how the Church of England changes. We begin uh, with Lee Gatus, Director of Church Society, pointing out that the Church has always
2: changed. The Church as a human institution is always changing. Um, Because we as humans are always changing. Um, And so we're constantly in a position of changing. The question always has to be, what is changing us? Are we growing into health? or Are we growing into disease? In what way? What are we fueling? Our growth with it is possible to eat lots of junk food and grow and you grow in bad ways if you do that um, it is possible to eat well and do exercise and you grow in better ways. so the question is um we're always growing we're always in a, ch- a position of change as uh, as people in the church die and new people are born and new people become Christians and born again um, what is changing the church and the real change agent for good? is always the word of God.
1: As Lee mentioned there, and as we've discussed in earlier episodes of this mini series, the Church of England is a human institution. It's a denomination. When we think about the word of God transforming the church, we're thinking about local parish churches where the word of God is preached, where lives are changed, where individuals are brought from death to life and brought up to maturity in the faith. But as a denomination, we want everything that we do and say to conform to the Word of God. We want to be obedient to it, to seek to be under its authority. We want the Word of God in the lives of all the individual Christians who are involved in the national church, in the diocese, in all the different structures and hierarchies of the denomination to be transformed by the word of God so that together we may be doing things as far as we are able to honour God, to glorify him and in obedience to him. That's how the word of God will reform and renew the Church of England just as it did in previous generations.
2: The word of God is the fertilizer of reformation and positive change. It is the seed that you plant that grows into a mighty oak. Um, It is the engine of reformation and change. And so that's why those of us who are committed to reformation want to stick with our churches um, despite difficulties that may occur in the future and at present, we stick with them because we want to see the word unleashed and let loose and the word continue to do its patient, slow, but um, honouring work within us as individuals and within our churches. I believe in Reformation and I believe it can happen in an individual, in a local church and in all those support structures and as well. Reformation does happen, change does happen as it filters through a system deliberately and consciously applied to a wider system um, of of a human institution. And that's what we must do. We must change ourselves. We must put the word to work in our local churches. And then we must make sure that change is also engaged at a wider level within the church deliberately, consciously and uh, practically.
1: Do you believe in Reformation? I mean, I hope so. At Church Society, we are a fellowship uh, contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. No one is denying that that needs to happen. Of course, the Church of England needs to change. It needs to reform. It needs to be renewed. The Church always needs reforming, always needs renewing. And it is biblical faith that we need to see in the church. It is the word of God, as Lee says, which is the powerhouse for that work. It is the agent for change and reformation. So I guess that is the first answer to our question this week. How does the Church of England change? It changes when the word of God is unleashed. If you're a minister and you're listening to this podcast, and you are preaching the word of God faithfully in your local church week by week, you are the agent for change. You are doing the work of reformation. If you're a lay person listening to this, and you're involved in teaching the Bible to others, in reading the Bible for yourself, in letting the word of God shape who you are and what you believe, then you are an agent for reformation. And it is through people like you that God will reform and renew his church in biblical faith. Lee also talked about being the agent for change consciously and deliberately. And I think we need to recognise that the Church of England is a political structure. That is to say, it has uh, decisions to make about how funding is spent, about where Uh, People are deployed about how uh, the different parts of its organisation relate to each other. And it tries to do that in a democratic sort of way, with people elected to synods at various levels, to different kinds of committees. As I speak, uh, there are elections ongoing for uh, for the church commissioners who oversee the national church finances, the Archbishop's Council, Uh, and all sorts of different bodies where people are trying to ensure that the Church of England's structures are serving the mission of the Church of England itself. If we're to let the word of God do its work in reforming those structures, we're going to need to think about how we can be involved. James Carey is someone who has been involved in the national church institutions uh, in various ways in the recent years. He's a member of General Synod and he's an elected lay member of the Archbishop's Council. So I asked him how the Church of England changes.
3: The Church does change slowly. It doesn't actually change as slowly as you might think. I think that uh, the way people talk about mission and ministry uh, on Synod in 2015 is very different from how they talk about it now um in a good way in a good way they actually use consistently the word evangelism now and we talk about the gospel of jesus christ a lot now whereas i think people used to talk about the mission of the church rather a lot and people are rather coy about naming names when it comes to uh jesus christ and so i think that's greatly encouraging and there are you know lots of uh plans for uh, missionary and ministry and um, strategic um, mission and ministry investment board and all those sorts of things. I think there are lots of um, exciting things and investments being made in things that were not held in high regard previously. So change is possible.
1: It's really interesting to hear about that shift in the way people speak about mission and ministry, using the language of evangelism, the gospel of Jesus Christ, language that to us as evangelicals is very normal, is what we have always talked about. And now it is what is commonly used, certainly around General Synod. That sort of cultural change, that soft change, which, as James said, is reflected in institutions and um decision-making bodies and strategies and documentation. Nonetheless, it is that culture shift which really matters, that it is normal for the church to think in those terms, that it is normal to talk about ministry and evangelism, to talk about the gospel as the gospel of Christ. That does um, signal quite a significant shift in where the church is at. And those things are influenced and happen, yes, of course, by the word of God being at work in people's lives. Yes, of course, by the transforming power of the spirit. But also uh, the spirit at work through us, through people, through being there, through using that language, through getting to know people, through conversations, through explaining what those things mean and why they matter and what the church should be doing by being on the committees that write the documentation. Being involved can bring change, even when that change doesn't come in the form of a general synod motion or a new vision and strategy, but simply changing the culture by being part of the culture.
3: I I think sometimes we might think, well, we need to go in there identify the issues on which we feel passionately, passionately make speeches vote and leave that's a terrible way of going about it that's not how politics works um, and you you just also are short-changing yourself because i think the other reason i gave to get involved in changing the church is that it's a blessing to you it's a blessing to you to develop skills that you might not have to read papers you wouldn't other read and have an insight into aspects of the church that you don't know about um, you know for, for my own sake being a member of the archbishop's council we get very very long detailed papers although quite often the paper's quite short and then the appendix comes through and that's enormous um, but i have to do the reading and it's really given me a much greater insight into not just how the church works but how papers work how things are presented um, how to write papers better, and I just i 'm being equipped to do things beyond Archbishop 's council i 'm sure in other areas for other Christian organizations or secular organizations that I think are that I think are really helpful, um, so I think we can be a little bit selfish about it and just go we 'll go into this, trying to effect change uh, in the Church of England for the glory of God, but you will be blessed by the process of that
1: James Carey there on the unusual blessing that it can be of being involved in synods and committees and the structures of the Church of England. You too can gain such a blessing, no doubt, uh, in years to come if you choose to stand for uh, PCC, Deanery Synod, Diocesan Synod, Bishop's Council. The, the opportunities to be blessed in that way are endless. It won't be for everyone, but it's great uh, that someone like James has found that such a blessing. And it is one of the really great things about being on General Synod in particular, but Diocesan Synod as well, is seeing the wide range of gifts that God has given members of the church to serve in those sort of ways. So it just may be that that's somewhere you will find your niche, where your particular gifts and talents can be used by God in ways that you never expected. I said earlier that the Church of England England is a political organisation, and that is true. When you uh, watch the goings-on, particularly at General Synod, but to some extent in Diocesan Synod as well, you can't help but be reminded that this is a political system based around uh, the way in which our parliamentary system works in the UK. Motions are put forward for debate, for scrutiny, for voting on. We don't quite have a party political system in General Synod, but nonetheless, we have a system that involves standing orders and take note and amendments and complicated um, process that not all of us fully understand I think some of us, and me included in this, have perhaps a natural dislike of something that feels political. That it feels somehow dishonest, or a little bit underhand, or a little bit less than straightforward. And yet, there are ways in which, as evangelicals, we can and should be involved in the political system of the Church of England, there are good things that we can bring to it. We can recognise that there is a process and ensure that that process is followed fairly and justly. We can ensure that we speak truth into political debate. But there are other ways too in which we can bring honesty into the political spheres of the church.
3: I think in a way, one thing, and I've been really challenged on this, uh, reading the book of James is listening, to listen to what people are passionate about, listen to people and, you know, listen, be slow to speak. Cause when you start speaking, the listening has stopped uh, at least temporarily. And then the next one is slow to anger. So that's uh, interesting that those things are all linked together. But if we take part in these organize, if you take part in these bodies in Darcy and Darson Synod or whatever, we need to listen and to see, you know, what's really going on, and can I help this? Can I be a blessing to this? Because if it is, if it is Anglican ministry based on the teachings of the Church of England, well, what's not to like? You know, it may be, um, maybe about a mission in a town that we don't know much about. It, they may be going about it in a way that we think, mm, I don't think I'd do it like that, or that that all seems a bit. Um, strange or that doesn't seem like it will be very fruitful. Well, you don't know that. You might have a lot to learn on that. So I think having a desire to learn, to understand, to listen, there, there may be ways in which you can be a blessing in that situation you might be able to say oh actually I read an interesting book that talks about something a bit like this you might be interested to read that and then oh okay that's interesting and then they go away and read it and then the next time you meet they say oh I, I read some of that book that's some pretty strange bits towards the end but the middle bit I thought was really good and then you could have a conversation about the strange bits or whatever and suddenly your friends certainly you know certainly colleagues or, or something like that but and and that's how fruitful sort of uh, collegiality works. Is you've taken an interest in what they're interested in and passionate about. It's not you're not flattering them by being by that. You're just trying to understand it. And if it's something that you can help with or comment on or support in some way, then that will be for their good, for the glory um, of the Church of Jesus Christ, you know, and and for the stuff that you're happy about. And so. You know, and I've picked up one or two jobs along the way that I, you know, so I'm, I'm involved in various committees and this and that stuff that I'm not as passionate about as I am about other things. But I do them because I want to be a team player. I want to serve. I've actually got a fairly outsider view on some of these things, so I'm able just to say, "Oh, hang on a minute, this." I think we've all gone a little bit uh, down down a rabbit hole uh, on this one. But also, it means that when I come on something, I do really want people to, um, to, to listen to, I've kind of earned the right.
1: What James is talking about from his experience in the national church can be just as true and just as fruitful in the local church, perhaps uh, within a local deanery or in a diocese. And yet, as uh, Rob Monroe, the Bishop of Ebbsfleet says, it's often something that evangelical churches aren't very good at, being collegiate being in the room, caring about our brothers and sisters in the Church of England when their churches are a little bit different from ours. And yet, Rob says, uh, in part of his exposition of John 15 from this year's Junior Anglican Evangelical Conference, what Jesus wants is for us to all care about the whole church, not merely our own Local manifestation of that.
0: It's a particular challenge to evangelical churches where we tend to be slightly larger and healthier than everybody else. We don't feel any responsibility for the weaker and woolier churches down the road. Well, they're not like us. They're not sound enough. They're not us. That's not Jesus' vision. Jesus looks for the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. His vision is bigger than what we're looking at. We're called to be connected first to Christ and then... To each other. I'd want to suggest that as we face a challenge and a crisis, being engaged in that wider church and into our wider community is not an extra for the keen or the campaigning. It is our calling so that every family on earth will be blessed.
1: Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. So says Isaiah in chapter 64. Do you feel that same sense of urgency and hunger for God, that he might rend the heavens and come down? Oh, how we need it. We cannot engineer revival. That is God's sovereign work. Our part to play is in prayer. Are you not convicted by those rousing words from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping? Couldn't you keep watch with me for just one hour? At the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference in 2024, we will be exploring the theme of revival, looking at revival in the Bible and the history of revivals across the world. The conference will be held from the 5th to the 7th of February at Kings Park in Northampton. You'll find all the details on the Church Society website, including the booking form, and you can pay for the conference online. We hope you'll be able to join us for a wonderful time of conferring, of fellowship, and of Bible teaching. Lee again explaining some of the ways in which we can be involved in changing the church
2: there are various things you can do um, in the bible the apostle paul wrote a letter to um, his younger colleague timothy about countering false teaching in his church and when he gets to tell timothy what to do he says in 1 timothy chapter 2 verse 1 first of all then i urge you to pray So that is the very first thing that we can do if we're committed to the cause of reformation um, in the Church of England. We must pray. Um, We can do lots of other things as well. Of course, we're great activists and want to be actively doing things. But unless we're also praying, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, the labours labour in vain. So let's seek the Lord's face. Let's ask him to be at work. That's first of all. Second of all, obviously you've got to join Church Society because you need to be aware of what is going on and we will help you be aware with our newsletters and podcasts and videos and books and journal and magazine and so on. You need to, you need to know what's happening. And that will fuel your prayers, of course, um, and so you need more fuel. So join Church Society. You'll also be supporting a ministry that is doing it. You know, that is what we are seeking to do with our appointments, with our conferences, with our political engagement in the Church of England, going to meetings and so on, and talking to bishops and others behind the scenes. We need your support to do that. So join Church Society, pray for it, be aware and uh, su- support it uh, financially and by coming to things. Come to our monthly prayer meeting, for example, online. So those are good things to do. Also, you can exert your own influence by writing to bishops, writing to clergy. Um, it, we can be a little bit cynical about the effectiveness of those things, but actually you never know what might get through. With a graciously written, clear but courageous letter from an ordinary lay person in a church might get through to a bishop or an archdeacon, or someone who's a mover and shaker in a national institution or something, in a way that um, the same old, same old that they're used to hearing from their clergy will not. So use the influence and power that you have. Um, You can join petitions and, and bigger letters, but you can write your own letters too. I think if they were deluged with letters from orthodox evangelical people about... Um, the difficulties their current proposals cause and what they would like the church to actually be doing, I think that might be a really helpful thing. Go and see them. Go and see them. Um, Bishops are sometimes scared of seeing ordinary lay people, um, particularly ones who are articulate and know what they're talking about because they're members of church society and know what they're about. Um, Go and see them. Talk to them write to them. You can do that. You can also stand for PCC in your church, your parochial church council. You can stand for Deanery Synod, the gathering at the uh, local level of clergy and and ministers uh, and uh, laity from your um, area, your town. You can stand for Diocesan Synod, the larger group in your county um, and that sort of um, size of uh, region. You can stand for things and you can, when you're there, stand up for things that won't necessarily be heard. Don't assume someone else is doing it and saying the things that need saying. Go and do it and pray for those that you know are doing it.
1: Well, a a good number of suggestions there uh, for all of us at whatever situation we are in individually. uh, We can all be involved in this work of changing the Church of England, of contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. As I said earlier, that's what we at Church Society are aiming to do. And if you want to be part of that, a great way is to join Church Society. You can find all the information about how to do that on our website. uh, And we would love to have you. If you're a member of Church Society, please use our prayer diary. Please come along to our regular Prayer meetings online each month on the first Thursday of the month. Please be aware of what's going on in the Church of England. Whether you're a member of Church Society or not, you can be listening to our podcast, you can subscribe to our email newsletter, you can subscribe to our regular quarterly magazine, Crossway. And all of those are great ways of finding out what is going on, why it matters, what you can do about it what the Lord is calling you to do. You can, as Lee said, you can be standing uh, come next March or April for PCC in your local church, for deanery Synod, Diocesan Synod. You can get involved in a whole range of different kinds of committee and um, work for the Church of England. If you're not sure what you might be suitable for or what the Lord might be calling you to do. Have a word uh, with your vicar and see what he suggests. Um, get in touch with us at Church Sartre, uh, office and we, we'd love to help you see what options there might be. You can write a letter. This week, the House of Bishops are meeting to discuss once more the prayers of love and faith that they are proposing. Every bishop is there knowing that they have to represent their diocese, knowing that they will have to go back to their diocese and explain what has been agreed by the bishops and what they will be proposing to General Synod. They will have to explain that to the ministers who they know will disagree, but also they will have to explain it to the lay people. It may feel as though you are powerless in this situation. What can you do to change the Church of England? None of us as individuals can change the Church of England, probably. We never know. Maybe somebody is going to be called to be the new Martin Luther, but probably it won't be the work of an individual in that way. But all of us are called to do our part. You could write a letter to your bishop. You could Write a letter to your General Synod representatives before the meeting in November. You can always, all of you, be praying. Because that's how the Church of England will change. It is the history of revival that there has been a group of people faithfully praying for God to be at work to revive his church, to rebuild his church, to renew his people. And goodness knows that is what we need. And that is what we need. Will you commit to praying for the Church of England, for God's will to be done, now as it is in heaven? Rob Monroe again.
0: We need to pray his will. In fact, that's the repeated tops and tails, the whole section here. But there, verse 7, if you remain in me my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. If God's words abiding in us, the first work of our life will be to ask what you wish and it will be given. England needs a church to pray, to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've taken to revise it, you you know, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not just may your will be done (coughs) on earth as it is in heaven. No, we're asking for it to happen now in me today because God wants us, Jesus wants us, to ask. Prayer is the first fruit of biblical obedience because what will make you want God's will, you'll need to ask him for it because our sinful hearts need changing because we don't want God's will by nature. We only know and want it by grace. In the vine, Jesus is the one who causes the fruit to grow. So you won't have a fruitful life without involving him, seeking his grace and help. And that's why in every revival or successful Christian ministry I know of, the foundation has been sacrificial, committed prayer. And bluntly, that's my worry about our evangelical responses to the prayers of love and faith. Because thank God and I do that we've united to protest. But we haven't yet really united to pray. Not together. Not in repentance. And you can't make people do that, it's the work of the Spirit. But until we're ready to spend more time in prayer than on our politics, we may have to await more, <laughs> await the grace of God we need to turn the tide in our denomination. Because it's His church, it's not ours.
1: It is the Lord's church. He will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We don't know what the plans the Lord has for the Church of England might be. We don't know if it is that it will be reformed and renewed in this generation or in generations to come. Or whether as a, as a human institution it will wither away. But the Lord will build his kingdom in some new and glorious way. We do know that he calls us to pray, that he calls us to follow his word faithfully and obediently. As Lee has told us at the beginning of this podcast, change is inevitable. Change in any human institution is inevitable. The question is what kind of change it will be. If it is change fueled by the Word of God, bolstered by the power of prayer, then it will be change that renews and reforms the Church in biblical faith to the glory of God. That is the kind of change that we can all be working for and praying for day by day. Next week, the podcast miniseries will continue with a closer look at the particular issues facing the Church of England at the moment, issues which are to do with the authority of Scripture, but particularly focused around the question of same-sex marriage. I hope you'll tune in once again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app, And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well.